Hey guys, Pastor Greg Locke here. I don't know about you, but I am tired of the left's fake outrage. Now they want to boycott the owner of Jimmy John's because he hunts exotic animals. Well, first of all, he's been hunting lions and tigers and bears, oh my, for a very, very long time. Secondarily, why don't you take your outrage outside of a Planned Parenthood and rejoice, number one, that we're defunding them, but also let your voice be heard that they're killing 3,000 precious innocent babies every single day. If you don't see the hypocrisy in that, that you're ticked off about an animal, but you're willing to rejoice over the butchering of a baby, you're smoking a barrel of meth. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian. You're such an amazing guy. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't die. Oh, welcome in. Hello, how are you? I am doing good enough. Getting a late start to the recording this week, but it will be released on time. My name is Brian. You likely already know that. This is a Stone On Air podcast. You likely already know that. The weekly dose for August 28th, 2019. And I guess it's old news, really. Um, this Pastor Greg Locke guy from suburban Nashville. I don't even have the city or community that he um, spews this, what I basically consider propaganda. I mean, just a propagandist as much as any any other biased, slanted kind of um, information-pushing organization. But I, I never heard of the guy until uh, the other day when the owner of Jimmy John's was posting pictures of uh, an elephant he killed or something in Africa. Big game hunting. And, yeah, I guess the, uh, the, the there's truth to the fact that, uh, from what I can tell, he's been hunting big game for a, uh, a very long time. Uh, does that change where somebody would, would or would not uh, have a... a Take it back to that. Have uh, have have problems with that. Be against that kind of um, that kind of uh, behavior, for lack of a better way of putting it. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on what angle you want to come from. But yeah, that was the that was one of the hashtags trending on Twitter. And of course, one day something trends, the next day nobody's ever heard of it again. And uh, I, you know, if I like your product, I'm probably going to consume it or buy it or uh, be involved with it, or if I think it sucks, I won't. And unless you do something that's just absolutely, you know, far and away, I guess basically my biggest thing is if you have some kind of major connection with guns, I guess I'm probably out. But just about anything else, I was talking to a buddy of mine last night about uh, just generally generally how you support business and when you would or wouldn't uh, boycott it, I guess, is one way to put it, or, or at least try to avoid it. Most of these big corporations that are, you know, that are monsters of the whole countryside are a bunch of just assholes and just pretty crappy people all the way around. And that, that, that's not fair to everybody. But I, I'm going to just, I'm going to err on that side. I'm going to err on the side of saying most of them 
are uh, are are pretty slimy, and so I'm not really all that worried about it. If you put out a good product, I will uh, I will consume it, I will patron it, and if you don't, I won't, unless you do something really really egregious. All right, let's see what is going on today. Coming up, uh, three segment show. As per usual, recently, first thing I will mention, um, the website is dead. Stoneonair.com is completely dead. I don't know why or how or what the deal is, but I've got to get um, with Dylan. Dylan, we used to call him at the radio station, and uh, he does websites. And I'm going to transfer it over to a buddy of mine, uh, Lord Taco is his nickname, actually. And he is going to also start hosting the uh, the feed here for the the podcast it's going to save me money it's going to add to his uh, i don't know what do you call that uh his uh portfolio i guess and a lot of us are uh brad steiner and uh, intern alex from the radio station and some others uh barry quarter a bunch of us are all talking about uh, getting all our all our content put in the same place so we can have a local manager of it now that doesn't mean anything to you that's that's just actually boring you so i probably shouldn't even bring it up but Taco is going to be uh, taking over my website here soon. And it won't be before the year's over, but hopefully by the time the new year rolls around, I'll have a new website. It won't be something you're going to check in with often. It's just going to be something simple that allows for the show to be downloaded easily and maybe a couple of news and updates. Even the site I had before, which was a, I mean, it served a purpose at one point. It was it was junk, and uh, I mean all the rejoins here between segments say stoneonair.com. Well, I mean you haven't been able to get to stoneonair.com in a long time, and nobody was ever listening to the show there, anyway. So hopefully uh, by the end of the year I'll get that taken care of. All right, so let's take a look at the front uh, or the back end of the show. Second segment of the show, I'm going to go right back to Pastor Greg Locke. Look at some of his uh, recent issues that he's had with his wife and basically not expose him for the fraud that he is because he's already been exposed for uh, being an absolute fraud. Just going to talk about it out loud now because I didn't know about it till last week when I saw his video post on the uh, Jimmy John's thing on, on Twitter. So I'll go into that in the second segment. And in the third segment, Andrew Luck retires from the NFL. And it's going to be less about that and more about is the NFL in trouble, and I mean for real this time. For real this time. Not the fake outrage about, I'm not going because somebody did something this one time. I wasn't even paying attention, and I saw it on TV and on Facebook later. That it, no, I'm not talking about fake outrage. I'm talking about real concern. Not fake concern, real concern about the, his, the, the, the future, I should say, of uh, professional football in this country and the rise of soccer and other things that might make uh, the long-term viability of the NFL in question. Might not either. Might not too. Just kind of thinking out loud. We're getting that into the third segment. But for the open here, I'm going to bounce through a lot of different notes to self that have either been on my phone or that I've actually written down on this piece of paper here and just kind of rapid fire them. First of all, I signed up for Audible to do uh, books on tape. I think that's something that would be uh, something I'd be interested in. I'm not sure. I'll find out as I get through the free trial. But I downloaded the Mueller report because it was free. Will I ever listen to it? I don't know. We'll see soon enough. Um, I saw this the other day, or I heard about it anyway, on the Tony Kornheiser show. So Uber's uh, luxury level, uh, the higher end level of, of, of getting a ride is called Uber Black, I think. Is that right? Whatever it's called. It costs a lot more, and uh, people who are of more prominence are going to want to take it to look flashier where they're going or whatever the reason be. I don't care about that. That's not what this is about. They have an option 
on this service when you go to call a, or not call, but you know, summon a ride via your phone, you can choose request no talking. Request that the driver doesn't talk to you. How incredible is that? I know some people might be like, oh, how pretentiously, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. No. What an amazing feature on, on a service. Imagine if we could do that with anything in our life. I want to go to a, a checkout line where I'm not asked how my day is and whether I think what I'm buying is good or not. What? Imagine being able to go to the dentist and being able to say, uh, yeah, I'm requesting that you shut your mouth while you have your fingers jammed into my mouth, scraping them with very highly uh, uh, damaging utensils that could mess me up. Shut your mouth, please. Imagine if you could do that anywhere else in consumer America. I want your service. I will pay you and I will even pay you better if you just don't talk to me. That would be so amazing. And they should put that on the regular, the lower end, us peasants using Uber. Wow. Wow. I was just like, that's that's incredible. Because as I've talked about over and over again, my my uh, perception of what rude is and what the average cultural uh, societal norm I'm not walking around is completely different. Small talk. Hey, how's the weather? All this. You're the rude ass. Not me. And if you've been around here at all at, in, over the years, you already know my take on that. But I'm being polite. I'm shutting the F up, and I'm leaving you alone. You're being rude and asking me questions that you don't truly want the answers to. Uh, Let's see. More social media kind of a thing here that's been driving me nuts recently. Uh, This has been going on for a long, long, long time, and I've been wanting to do maybe an entire segment on it, but I just haven't had the real reason to do it yet. But I'm seeing a few recently that just drive me crazy. This concept, and I'm going to say it's more women, but it's, it's plenty of men too, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, men and women, that post selfies and then try to attribute the, uh, the, the, the glorious nature of the picture to somebody else, right? Like somebody who gets a photo shoot and then posts a picture and says, oh, look at my friend Brooke, who's such a good video, uh, photographer. She does such great work. No, you just, you got your cleavage showing. Shut up. Um, I saw one the other day, this girl that I follow almost only just to hate follow, just to see what nonsense comes next on Instagram. It was a picture, it was two pictures, a slide, in a bathing suit, and one of them was going right up her ass crack. I mean, it it wasn't quite a thong, but it was like, hey, check this out, look at my ass. And it was like, oh my God, Collective Clothing has such great products. I love going to Collective Clothing. They have the greatest stuff. No, you don't give a two bleeps about Collective Clothing in this post, you you fraud. You want to show off your ass, and it's pretty. I get it. Just say, hey, look, my ass is hot. Take a look at it. Come on. Come on. Who are you fooling? And it just happens over and over and over again. And I don't mean from a professional setting of a wedding or or something like an event. That's different. This is not what I'm talking about. These are people that go out of their way to take pictures of themselves and then say somebody else made it look pretty. No, you know you made it look pretty. And your fake humility is, uh, is shining very brightly. Stop doing it. And, uh, well, one more thing, and then I'll get to my one little segment here, which I thought was funny as hell, and I don't think anybody's going to agree with me. Maybe a few people of a certain age, but not all that many. That in a moment. Soundcore, Stratton Tingle, he's my friend, and I like what that company does, what, what that initiative does. It, it uh, promotes local music. 
Um, Tim Boyd, I don't like. I hate Tim Boyd, Hamilton County Commissioner, District 8. And it was not long ago that Stratton went in front of the county commission, as Stratton heads up Soundcore, uh, funded by the city, and asked uh, the, the commission for uh, additional funds for street performers, street uh, local art, local music, those kinds of things, which he should do. And I, I applaud him for doing that. And it's, it's brave to get in front of an asshole like Tim Boyd. And, uh, and the rest of the commission, some of them are not assholes at all, and some, some of them are. But Tim Boyd is the bona fide asshole on the county commission. He's one of those uh, kind of MAGA uh, emboldened types. And so they have their interaction. I never, I meant to get with Tr- Stratton to ask him exactly how that went, and I never did. And then I look up the other day, like a week ago, and guess who has a new job with Soundcore here in Chattanooga that has, I've been told specifically, only has really the budget for one real employee and then a bunch of interns and volunteers and maybe a little bit of contract work. But I, I know for a fact that most of the time that this company has, has been around, uh, this initiative has been funded by the city, it didn't have enough funds to have more than a full-time employee. And did it need one? I don't know. Another conversation for another day. But guess who is now on the payroll at Soundcore? Emily Kate Boyd. And now you're probably thinking, oh, well, that's certainly somebody kin to Tim, right? Yeah, his daughter. I've met Emily in my life. She's a sweetheart. She's a nice girl. I'm not mad at her. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just saying, connect the dots. All right? Connect the dots. And I am going to leave that right there on the ground, right over there by your foot. If you'd like to pick it up and look at that more, you go right ahead. If you would like to walk away from it and never think of it again, that is fine, too. All right, so this is going to be tricky to do this again. I did a little trial run before the show, and it worked. We'll see if I can't pull it off a second time. Now, this is going to potentially bore a lot of people because you're not going to completely get where I'm coming from. But I think this is one of the funniest things Uh, well, of the day anyway, right? Okay. Not of my life or the week or the month or the year, but of the day. And it made my day. And it turns out it was pretty much, uh, one of the bigger, just local stories on Tuesday. Uh, this is from Chattanooga Times Free Press. Mark Pace is who wrote the piece. Barge collapses, equipment leaks fluid into Tennessee River. That's the story that will likely be in the paper today. And it's basically right over there where that, uh, the old ghost barge was. For any of you that don't know what I'm talking about, for years uh, there was a uh, a barge that was just deteriorating and becoming dilapidated on the other side of the river across from Ross's Landing, and there was a legal battle, and there, it basically took a act of, uh, of Tennessee state legislation to get it finally moved. I, this looks like that's about that same spot, and apparently a uh, a truck became submerged in water and a crane fell in for whatever reason that looks like that I think that's exactly that same spot and so this is from the piece uh, that Mark Pace wrote uh, and, and posted yesterday afternoon that will be available today uh, it sees Tuesday's incident happened across from a busy day on the Tennessee riverfront the Southern Bell riverboat navigated the river during the muggy afternoon it chimed its upbeat tunes and honked its horn to the to the scores of visitors on the riverfront touring 
the uh, World War II battleship, the USS LST-325, which was used in the 1944 D-Day invasion, which was docked for its final day in Chattanooga yesterday. And so he was posting this. I don't know if he was there reporting or if he was just there as a as a spectator. Either way, he was posting it on Twitter primarily, and that's what I'm going to look at, just give you an idea what it is. So he's these are several tweets all together. It says, a look at the top of the crane that has fallen into the Tennessee River directly across from Ross's Landing. It's attached to a truck that is now underwater that sunk when the barge collapsed. Fire Department is working with environmental cleanup company HEPCO to contain the oil that is leaking from the truck into the river. They're trying to get in touch with the owner to get more information about how much fuel might be in the truck. There are no injuries. Goes on and on, talks about the Coast Guard. Uh, We're now at a sit-and-wait stage. Containment booms are in place. Responders are now waiting on the Coast Guard spill response team to arrive from Nashville. It's just an update. It's a a play-by-play update via Twitter. And then came the final tweet, or at least the final tweet that mattered to me. And it was the first one that I saw, and I quite literally laughed out loud. I'm a huge Neil Young fan. And he often has songs like Sugar Mountain and uh, Powderfinger and uh, what's another one? Uh, Pocahontas. Songs that they're, they're kind of stories that don't have uh, traditional layout as, as rock and roll songs. They don't have verse, chorus, verse, bridge, verse, chorus, verse, bridge. It's just a long, drawn-out, spoken story. And this final tweet was retweeted by Bill Colrus who is a friend of mine. I hope he's listening. I don't know if he listens to this podcast anymore. He is in South Carolina these days. He was one of the founders, maybe not the initial founder, but he was at least on the ground floor of the uh, Pulse 15, 16, 17, maybe upwards of 20 years ago here, the local rag uh, alternative weekly and has been a freelance writer most of his life. And he retweeted this with a quote tweet that said, that sounds just like a Neil Young song, something like that. And again, to this final tweet. Now, I'm going to read the tweet here. First of all, yeah, let me read the tweet, and then I'm going to try to connect it to the Neil Young song. It says, We have the Southern Bell floating nearby, playing some favorite ice cream truck tunes and honking its horn. There's a World War II ship docked at Ross's Landing giving tours and shooting replica canyons. And across the way, a crane and truck has fallen into the river. Now, to people who don't get it, you never will probably. But to people who do, that is a Neil Young song, somewhat similar to Powderfinger. Look out, mama, there's a white boat coming up the river. It's just a story. There is no structure is just tell the story here to deliver the mail all right so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna try to do this and put it together it worked the first time let's see if it works the second time here we go We have the Southern Bell floating nearby, playing some favorite ice cream truck tunes and honking its horn. There's a World War II ship docked at Ross's Landing, 
giving tours and shooting replica canyons. And across the way, a crane and truck have fallen into the river. All right, I know that was ridiculous, but I had to do it. This kook, Gregory Locke, and how big of a fraud he is, is what I'm going to take a look next. And just overall, talk some religion, talk propagandist, talk radical evangelicalism. Did I say that right? Whatever. And maybe even a little bit of how Trump kind of factors into that. It's the Stone on Air podcast, the weekly dose for August 28, 2019. My name is Brian Stone, and I will be right back. I was wondering what to do. The closer they got, the more those feelings grew. Stone on Air will be right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. Trump's support among white evangelicals is falling, but the vast majority have stuck by him as he repeatedly tests the limits of Christian values amid allegations of misogyny, racism, adultery, and his support for accused child molester Roy Moore. To what extent do you think evangelicals are looking at the president and saying, all right, he might not be born again, but you know what, he's getting done exactly what we want to get done, so that, that's, that's all we need. I think that's a lot of it, because whether he is or whether he isn't, he's giving evangelicals a platform, and he's giving them a voice that we've always wanted, that I think we lost for a lot of reasons. So I think with a lot of evangelicals, it's not just blind followership, but it's the end justifies the means. Trump was elected with 80% of the white evangelical vote. Today, his approval with them stands at 63%. Still solid, but cracks are showing. So, as I normally do when I do any segment that involves religious nature, I usually go with R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion. And if you're thinking, God, that sounds like bleep. Where'd you get that version from? Well, this is from uh, something they released, uh, probably with a box set or something. It's called Outtakes in Time. Of course, a play on their record, Out of Time. And it's just nothing but a bunch of outtakes. And I'm always fascinated with uh, cutting room floor stuff. Writers, musicians, movies. I love the outtakes. Because it gives you a a different perspective on how they put that together. Right There's a different uh, lyric that's not in the regular song. I mean, Pearl Jam's daughter was originally called Brother. And a matter, a matter of fact, as I, if I think about it now, I should probably put together a show playing the portions of a bunch of outtakes over the last 25, 30 years of music and how different they were on the front end. Ding, light bulb. I think I will do that at some point. I think it changes up a lot here. I'm going to let it play for a minute. I guess that's not different at all. (laughs) Anyway, you get my point. I guess I just mistimed that. Um, It ain't live radio, but it's close. 
So this guy is named... Where the hell is my show sheet? There it is. Greg Locke of Suburbia Nashville. You know, anybody who hears regularly knows where I come from on, um, uh, you know, religious teachings and practices. I got no problem with anything or anybody as long as you just keep, you know, keep... To your, not even necessarily keep it to yourself, just keep it out of my law, really, is a basic thing. Just as long as you keep it out of my law, I'm good. Uh, I'm not going to care. If, if you want to preach it and you want to spread the message, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. And as long as when somebody says they don't want to hear the message anymore, you say, no problem, all good, move along, then you're gold. I mean, you know, that person's gold. Uh, we all do our things that makes us happy and gives us our meaning of life and gives us our, our reason for getting up every day and gives us our reason for continuing to take a breath every day and stay 98.6 or whatever our body temperature is and fog a mirror. I mean, there's, we all need a reason. And if that's your reason, that's cool. If it turns into something much more complicated than that, you try to drag it into law and you try to tell people how to live their life. Well, then I'm basically done with you. I mean, done, done. That person is not going to be anybody who has any significance in my life whatsoever. So I saw this dude because you heard it on the front end. And then I just started listening to a bunch of his stuff. And it, it is as propagandist as anything of the of the last, you know, modernization of America of the last hundred odd years. You know, of anybody else trying to push a biased, potentially oftentimes unprovable belief system. And these radical propagandists oftentimes are getting exempt uh, tax exempt status because they're quote unquote religion. So I just wanted to have some fun with this guy because he is uh, he's pretty awful. And then I want to tell you what happened to him last year and kind of showed that he is full of. You know what? Of course, the morality police, he is. So this is just the beginning here of nine cuts that I have. All are pretty short of the demise the uh, of morality in America. Here is the progression in the Bible. Always has been, always will be. You go all the way back to Genesis, you go to Leviticus, and please understand, there's a difference between moral law, civil law, and ceremonial law. The moral law are the Ten Commandments. We are no longer under the Jewish ceremonial laws and the civil laws. Jesus fulfilled all the law for us because he knew that we weren't able to do it, right? And so when you go to Genesis, when you go to Leviticus, when you go all throughout the Old Testament, move into the New Testament, here's the progression that you're going to see in a society. There will always first be a sexual revolution. All right, so we'll stop it there. And then I got to thinking, what is ceremonial law and moral law and judicial law? And then I pulled off all this stuff. The law of God given to Moses is a comprehensive set of guidelines to ensure that Israelites' uh, behavior reflected their status as God's child, dub, 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 basically the Ten Commandments. And I, 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 I was like, blah. I don't even feel like going down that road or even looking at it. And a lot of, a lot of this in, in the religious world is I am a woefully ignorant person to the religions of the world. Quite honestly, I just don't really care. So we're talking about the, uh, the sexual revolution of America. America began its sexual revolution in the 60s. The sexual revolution started in the 60s. Right? Make love, not war. And we thought, oh, it's just going to be a fad. It's just going to die out. And it got more naked, and it got more pornographic, and it got more perverse, and it got more wicked, and it got more adulterous, and it got more filled with fornication, so that today, where we are is you can't even hardly buy a bag of dog food without some half-naked woman's picture being all over the wait, front Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Where are we getting bags of dog food with a half-naked lady on it? I'll buy, I don't have a dog, but I'd like to find, is there some cat food? 
that has a half naked lady on it because my cat Dudro and our new uh, kitten here, Rumi, I wouldn't mind giving them some cat food that has a half naked lady on it, which of course doesn't exist. I get it. It's for a dramatic effect. But Jesus Christ, this guy. All right, this is where he's not necessarily wrong, though. This is one of the few things he says out of the, all these clips that I don't actually completely disagree with. It is everywhere. It is so accessible. Listen, I just preached yesterday to 2,700 teenagers in the Gatlinburg Convention Center at the Teen Revolution Conference. And before I got up to preach in the other room, they had a a girl session in one room and a boy session in the other room. And they had to take a two-hour session to talk, to preach, to rant, to rave, and to counsel young men who were struggling with pornography. Why? Because pornography is not a problem. It is the problem in the American church. And it's more... More than just a, a problem in the American church, it's an, a problem in the American culture all the way around, and it's not just pornography. It's just the overstimulation of uh, of our entire you know societal norms. And there's a reason why uh, so many people are having so many issues with so many different things. If you catch my drift, it's because there is just I mean it's just it's just one more extreme after another in what we are uh, exposed to, and that's been happening since the the dawn of technology and television and the big screen and then uh, cable tv and then the internet and uh, magazines and uh, different kinds of media to be consumed i mean that's been going on for a long long time it's just at a different pace now i've done a lot of research on it masturbation pornography most people don't want to sit around and talk about but it is a uh, it's a thing that is a uh, very dysfunctional in a lot of ways and uh, just nobody wants to have that conversation I'm not going to have any more on that right now. Maybe at some time in the future. So, of course, here we go. Who didn't know this? All of this, all this perversion, all this immorality, of course, leads to, well, you know, homosexuality, right? And it always begins with a sexual revolution, which I promise you, every time in history has always led, number two, to a homosexual revolution. You say, Brother Locke, you shouldn't use that word. Yes, we should. It always leads from sexual rebellion to homosexual rebellion. It's exactly what happened in the Bible. They began fornicating. They began getting naked. They began being filled with idolatry and immorality. and They were living out their soap opera days of our lives, general hospital foolishness, right? Okay, so we go from having an issue with uh, potentially uh, pornography poisoning minds, and he's now using days of our lives and whatever... uh, uh, very, very bland, vanilla, and mild soap opera from the 80s and early 90s. All right, so this one is great. I love this one. I'm actually going to start it, stop it, and start it again. Pastor, uh, again, what the hell's his name? Greg Locke. And uh, somehow this leads to Bonnaroo? And then that leads to free love, to free sex. It leads to a Bonnaroo type of experiences, if you will. And then <laughs> Hold on. Bonnaroo types of experiences, if you will. And then that leads to free love, to free sex. It leads to a Bonnaroo type of experiences, if you will. And then break down all the walls, break down all the barriers. If a man wants to marry a man, you shouldn't say anything about it. If a woman wants to marry a woman, you shouldn't say anything about it. And guess what? They silenced us to the point we're absolutely positively afraid of saying anything for fear they're going to take our tax-exempt status. Well, know this, ladies and gentlemen, they're going to take our tax-exempt status away from us, whether we say something about it or not yeah hopefully yeah yeah absolutely hopefully that does happen um let's see then it moves on to the just the idiocy that is 
The what next? You gonna marry a ham sandwich? What next? You gonna marry your dog? No, numb nuts. That's not what anybody has ever really said. It's only in nonsensical arguments in a propagandist kind of delivery system like this. And I promise you, here's what's going to happen next. This crowd is going to come out of the woodworks, and they're going to be marrying their dogs. They're going to be marrying their cats. Ellen's already talking about some woman that married herself. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, right? You say, Pastor, who in the world would want to marry a horse? Yet 10 years ago, if I'd have preached this message, you'd have said the very same thing, that there's no way the Supreme Court of the land of the free and the home of the brave is ever going to legalize same-sex marriage. And now we can barely even say anything about it and guess what in canada you go to jail for saying something about it and of course that's a lie it's more uh, the emboldened uh, by trump types the demagogue types that just try to scare the shit out of everybody that's not true and uh no in 2009 that would have been 10 years ago with a uh, with barack obama in the white house and a renewed feeling of uh, hope and uh, a change of direction in this country. A lot of us weren't saying that there's no way homosexuality would ever be uh, legalized, marriage. No, I I thought there was a very good chance that at some point that would happen. But propagandists and demagogues are good at what they do. The equally idiocy and uh, ridiculous uh, narrative that, oh, hey, what are you going to do next, marry your dog, is now saying that polygamy and pedophilia is the next to be uh, normalized or legalized or what have you. I'm telling you, a sexual revolution has no end to it. It leads to a homosexual revolution, and it gets worse, and it gets more vile, and it gets more vicious. And listen, polygamy is going to be free game. Pedophilia is going to be free game because these guys are going to get out of prison, look at the judge, and say, hey, I feel naturally attracted to little boys and little girls. As sick as that is, it's going to happen. Hey, if you can't uh, get what, what you want in life, just scare the bleep out of everybody around you who kind of agrees with you at one point to the point where they agree with every word you said because you scare the shit out of them to, uh, to no end. And so one short one and then one final one after that. So now there's fags everywhere, right? The sin of homosexuality is always the final state of any pagan society. And now the rainbows have come out everywhere. Okay, so that was really fast. One more time, he says the, the sin, uh, the final sin of pagan society, the, the, the doomsday for us all, what did he say is, uh, is homosexuality, right? The sin of homosexuality is always the final state of any pagan society. And now... The rainbows have come out everywhere. It's the final state of any pagan. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, so final one here. God's going to come in and uh, sort them all out, I guess, right? And so it's not going to get any better. So don't listen to these health and wealth prosperity guys on all the tales. It's going to get better and better and better and gooder and gooder and gooder. No, it's not going to get better. Jesus said it's going to get worse. Paul said evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And the only way to get it fixed is for Jesus to fix the whole thing. And one day, he's going to return, set up shop, and become the king of the universe. And you and I better be ready because it's coming to a town near us. And guess what happened last year? This uh, holier-than-thou, self-righteous prick uh, was married, had a couple of kids and a couple adopted kids. And he got a divorce. Oh, right. Remember, you're not supposed to do that. God's not... God's not into divorce, man. He ain't into facts. He's not into divorce. He's not into drugs or fornication or any of those things, right? Well, um, uh, Seth Dunn, a Christian writer at Pulpit, 
pulpit, excuse me, and pen, sat down with his ex-wife, Melissa, and rather than go through, I mean, this is a bias piece, no doubt, but it said uh, she talked about how he hit her more than once, how he shamed her for gaining weight after he had paid thousands of dollars for her weight loss surgery, and how he was emotionally abusive. These are uh, text messages supposedly from them uh, back and forth. I'll just go with it and assume that it's accurate. I know that's not necessarily the safest way to do any kind of spoken word, but I'm going to do it anyway. Let's see. It says, so uh, I wanted to be back by noon, but I don't even care at this point. This is from Greg. uh, Again, what is his name? Greg Locke. Pastor Greg Locke. It says, she responds, thank you for working with me. He responds, don't get used to it. You'll be sleeping with strangers in a month. Buck Wild is in your future, and you're the only one who can't see it. No response? Fuck you, Melissa. I got a tattoo on my arm. Enjoy your new haircut. You've probably already done it. Send that one to Mr. Fast, you deceitful bitch. Then another round says, uh, he just picked me up and I had to stay, and I already asked a bunch of, I don't know what that is. I can barely read it. Then it says, whatever. I also don't want you raped and killed. I'll be finished soon. Today broke my heart. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't care anymore. Your hair pissed me off so bad I could barely look at you. Your hair pissed me off so bad I could barely look at you. You look just like your mom. And for your own good, don't go back to the way you were. I can already see that you're starting to cut, starting to put the weight back on. Don't waste ten thousand dollars because you're mad. That's the stuff about the uh, <laughs> the weight the loss surgery, and then she's getting fat. I mean, this guy, this guy's a piece of work. And then if that were not just all of it, you'd be like, okay, maybe you had a bad week. Fine. This is from, let's see, the Christian Post reporter, or the Christian Post, I should say, by one of their reporters. Popular internet pastor Greg Locke marries church assistant after divorce. After months of denying they were in an intimate relationship before his recent divorce, Greg Locke, the outspoken internet uh, preacher and lead pastor of Global Vision Bible Church in Tennessee, has married his administrative assistant and his ex-wife's best friend. Locke, who has four children with Melissa, his wife, including two who were adopted, shot to internet fame when he posted a video on Facebook on uh, April in 2016 criticizing Target for its new policies on gender-neutral bathrooms. He has since become well-known for his support of hardline conservative values, including his opposition to divorce. Locke said Thursday he will continue preaching against divorce despite his failed marriage. As recently as January, his new wife was listed on Global Vision's website as an administrative assistant at the church. It was around the same time that it was reported that Locke had separated from his wife, Melissa, and had been courting his new wife. He was cheating on his wife. He got a divorce. He goes against everything he preaches, and this is a propaganda machine as much as anything else. For power, for money, for fame, for notoriety, I don't know what for exactly, but it's gross, it's disgusting, and the practice of religion and religious uh, beliefs is one thing, and it's fine. This kind of stuff is a propaganda machine that can be as dangerous as anything else that can that can tear apart cultures and societies, and and it's and it's so much of this is now I'm being emboldened by this just brash nature that is it's okay to be an asshole. I talk about this all the time. It's okay to be an asshole and hiding behind a propagandist message and a Bible and a book 
that people have supposedly read is as dangerous as just about anything else out there that's mind-erasing, uh, mind-washing, mind-blowing, and uh, impressionable to numbnuts all over the rural southern south and other stupid asshole areas of the country. We are kind of a mess. Andrew Luck has retired at the age of 29, the now former quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Well, that helps my Tennessee Titans, you know, in theory, but what does this overall mean, amongst other things, to the future of not just the NFL, but American football for the next couple of generations? I don't have all the answers, but I definitely have some thoughts, and I'll get to that coming up next. Now back to more Stone On Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. StoneOnAir.com. Andrew Luck has retired. I imagine everybody pretty much knows this news already, but if you're just tuning in, and reports are that Andrew Luck is married and he just wants to travel the world and he hasn't been able to get healthy and his body has kind of fallen apart on him and he took an unbelievable amount of hits early in his career and his body has just said enough. He's walking away from over $50 million guaranteed, but he made over $50 million already. He's only 29 years old. He's a super smart guy and the stress of playing football might not be for him. Since the Titans right now, given how bad their luck can be, I would just fold up the tents and not even play in the preseason for any of the starters for the next two weeks now for the Titans. Uh, Because I feel completely confident that tomorrow uh, the Titans are going to roll out for Sunday Night Football and Marcus Mariota will run into Derrick Henry and Corey Davis simultaneously and all three of them will injure their knees and be out for the season. So uh, the AFC South is wide open. Out the door. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. I couldn't come up with a better song. <laughs> that is Clay Travis. When he's talking sports, just X's and O's and the headlines, talking Titans, talking college football. For those that like college football banter, he's really good. When he gets into political rants, he's he's a bro. And he throws the red meat to his broed out fan base and it disgusts me because he used to be one of my favorites. But when when I heard about that, I certainly wanted to hear what Clay Travis had to say. But Andrew Luck's out, 29 years old. And one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and he quit. And it's not that he quit, but he's done playing anyway. Out the door. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. And it just take this job and shove it. It really just makes me question this league going forward all the way around. I mean it. It wasn't that long ago that, uh, you know, 16, at the end of 16, right when all this, you know, the Trumpification of America was starting, where everybody just wanted to hate on Colin Kaepernick, and I'm not watching this anymore, I'm I'm pissed off, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to watch this, these pampered, blah, 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 shut the F up. And I'm never going to a game again. And this went on for a year and a half, maybe almost upwards of close to two years. And um, and and Vince McMahon says he's going to start the XFL where nobody's allowed to 
to kneel and you have yeah, trying to capitalize on something. Even at the time, I said numb nut. By the time 2020 rolls around, we're not even no one's gonna even care about this anymore. And look at that. I'm about to be right on that one. Not that it matters that I'm right on that. That's easy. But um, nobody nobody stopped watching football overall in the last couple of years because of that kind of stuff. Uh, because of political nature of the players playing it. They just didn't. A few people who barely watched it to, to begin with might have stopped watching because they didn't really care all that much. A few uh, local uh, restaurants, little dive bars, you know, planted somebody to get a hold of a, a news channel to come talk about how they're not showing NFL on Sundays anymore. Bro, nobody came to your place to watch NFL to begin with. This would be me like me saying, like, something happened in college football that upset me so much that I made this strong stance of, I'm just, I'm not watching college football anymore. Well, anybody who knows me would say, bro, you barely watch college football now. And if it weren't for all the beers and the spread of chips and salsa and burgers and dogs that we're making for you to eat while you stand there, while the game's on, you wouldn't be watching it, period. So, so what if you're not watching, you didn't really even want to watch to begin with. Anyway, same kind of thing. Well, numbers have been up at the end of last year's uh, NFL season, and the anticipation for this year is uh, very high, and everybody can't wait for another NFL season. So all the fake outrage about that just isn't a thing. But what does concern me is about this game going forward for the next couple of generations. Now, most people can't look past, you know, next uh, hour or tomorrow afternoon, let alone look forward to a year or two or three or even five or ten years from now. And I look at this game and I see it deteriorating and it upsets me. I love professional sports. I, I like youth sports, high school, college, collegiate, you know, um, in the uh, in the learning advancement state states of young people's minds. I think sports is a very valuable thing, and I would really like to see all children pushed into doing them somewhat because it teaches humility, it teaches teamwork, it teaches heartbreak, uh, success, and failure. And so many young people are so scared of failure I, I guess just because of the peer pressure of that world, I have a hard time. Uh, I mean, I can remember being young, but I, it's hard to put yourself right back in those shoes. But failure is like like humiliating. Well, when you're an adult, you realize failure is 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 as much success as a success can be because you learn from it and go forward. Sports teaches that, so I really like it from that standpoint. But not from a, an audience standpoint. I don't care about watching any of this stuff. It's not entertaining to me. It's good for the the youth and the young people to learn from it. But it's not it's not entertaining to me. Professional sports is what entertains me. And the more I watch the NFL, the last, I mean, I guess most of this decade, really, and maybe it's because I watch such an awful team like the Titans, this product just doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems to be getting worse. And part of that is is because affluent people in this country are not letting their kids play uh, football anymore because of all the obvious reasons. It's dangerous as hell. Baseball is dangerous in the sense if you get nailed in the head with a 100-mile-an-hour uh, pitch or a, a batted ball, it could kill you or hurt you badly. But look at this, the percentages and the statistics. That just doesn't happen all that often. In basketball, you can come up with all the same kind of thing. Soccer, you almost can, not really, but it seems to be a safer sport and a much more uh, uh, cardiovascular kind of sport. 
But football is you can have your career ended every single snap of every single game for the, for the entirety of your playing career, whether it's just as a kid or as a professional. How long are we going to allow our children, our young people, to be involved in this? Now, growing up, I didn't have, I, I never was a very strong guy. I, I'm athletic. I, I can stand up there with a baseball bat, a basketball, maybe even a soccer, a tennis racket, and I can make you think based on my techniques and my, uh, my, my understanding of how the game is played that I know what I'm doing and I'm pretty good. The bottom line is I'm just really not. Football, I couldn't even do that. Like football, I had no uh, coordination or, or no strength, really, because that's what you need in football is strength. That's what makes it so dangerous is how strong everybody is. At every level you go up, every level you advance to, everybody gets stronger and stronger, and it gets more dangerous and more violent. How long is this going to keep up? I'm not, I don't care about a protest. I don't care about a song played over the loudspeakers. I don't care about a flag draped across the field. I don't care about a, kneel on, a knee on, on turf. I'm concerned that this game is going to fall apart because over the next several generations, uh, less and less uh, people are going to let, let their children play. And you're always going to have the uh, the more downtrodden areas of the country have feel like it's their only way out. This isn't a white or black thing. It's a cultural, societal thing. And the most important player on the, on the field is a quarterback. Look around. Look how many good quarterbacks there are in the NFL. Really, look around in college football. People act like the SEC and ACC and these power conferences are really high-quality um, uh, players on the field. They're really not. The SEC isn't great. Alabama is amazing. Georgia is damn near close. And, you know, a couple come here and there, LSU, Auburn, you know, A&M occasionally, Tennessee once upon a time. Overall, these are not high-quality players, and most of them don't go on to play in the NFL. Most of them do not. A handful of them do but not most. And then that just feeds into the NFL because it, the NCAA, uh, football anyway, has become the minor league systems for the NFL. It's a nice way they've concocted that little scheme. And then so why are there not as many good quarterbacks in the NFL? Because there's not that many good quarterbacks in college. And that's the only place you get your quarterback. So you look around the NFL and you see all these players and they're not very good. And then you get a player like uh, Andrew Luck, who is incredible. He's also affluent and 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 a, uh, has a degree from Stanford, an engineering degree, as a matter of fact. He's got so many options in life. Why the hell would he want to play football? There's no reason for it unless he has a love for it, which clearly he doesn't. And so you wonder how many, wh- which the next 10 years, are we going to be down to only like two or three good quarterbacks in the leagues? Just look around. I don't have a list in front of me, and I'm not trying to come off the top of my head here, but do you think there's 10 Good quarterbacks in the NFL, 10, like, pretty good, like, above-average quarterbacks. Maybe close to 10, probably more like 5 to 7. And then, what, is there 30, is it 32 teams? If you don't have a quarterback, this t- your, your team sucks. And if you just have an okay quarterback, your team is just good enough to break your heart, which is where I'm at with the Tennessee Titans. And for the first time, and there might be a lot of other va- variables in my life that are are, are making me go this direction but as i pay for these damn titans tickets the psls i bought on the on the front end and the and the yearly tickets that i lose you know a thousand eight hundred dollars on minimum do i want to keep doing this do i want to keep funding something a team that never wins um 
I love game days. That's the that's the thing that keeps me holding on and keeps me there. And I love Nashville. So if those two things keep me holding on. Game day on a Sunday down at the stadium is so much fun. It's not necessarily about winning championships in that setting. It's about having fun with your friends and your loved ones. I love that. That's why that's why I still participate in so much college football pageantry on Saturdays when I get the opportunity, whether it be at UTC or in Knoxville. Those are the only two places I ever do it at. But I enjoy it because, man, this is great. This is fun. Look at this fall, crisp weather. We got TVs and dips and chips and drinks and friends and pop-ups and, and all this and music. and Man, this is fun. Now, once the game starts, I barely care anymore. But, that, you know, so I there's so many parts of it that I get and I love. I just wonder how long those things are going to last as this sport continues to decline in overall quality talent because it really, really, really is declining in quality talent because for the last couple of generations, less and less people who have the means to have their athletic children learn to play football at the highest level are pushing them to do other things. And Andrew Luck right now, it, retiring at the age of 29 years old, is great for this season 2019 for my Titans because at least gets one of these teams out of our way and maybe we can make the playoffs. You know, that's selfishly all I care about right this minute. But it makes me look into the future as if 10, 15, 20 years from now. Do I still want to pay $2,000 a year for season tickets to a team that never wins? And because of the lack of quality talent and just the overall kind of the stars have to align in this sport for you to have everything go your way and it just feels like nothing's ever, ever going to go the way you want it to, do I want to keep doing this? I'm 40 years old next year. Maybe maybe I don't. And that frightens me because I've always loved it. I've always loved it. When I got the tickets in 2013, I was so excited because for so many years, I was like, I want this. I want to have something within my friends and family group where we can always go maybe to a Titans game and, and we can always go, we can always convene in Nashville and have a time. But it's like, yeah, Jesus, I just don't know. I just don't know. All right, that's it. That's all I got. I know none of that is like a burning new uh, uh, take, if you will, as they talk in hot sports opinions. But it does worry me because it's something I care about. And also this year, part of the I got to make sure and I uh, remember is that part of the reason I don't care as much is because the Braves are effing great. And this is going to be a hell of a pennant race. And we're one of the best teams in baseball. And really, at the end of the day, baseball is my sport. So I'm going to go back and watch some Braves baseball and might talk some here in the future. Sorry, Mahoney. Depends on how far we go into the pennant race. Y'all have a great one. I'm going to put the wraps on this. August is over. Kiss you later. Goodbye, August. September and college football is here. Cooler temps on the way, even though Labor Day weekend is going to be a scorcher. I love you to death. At Stone on Air and all social media is how you can get a hold of me. Rate and review if you feel like it, which nobody ever does, so I don't expect that. But if you are kind of feeling a little adventurous today, maybe seek out the iTunes, Apple Podcasts, rate and review and say, hey, this show's awesome, or hey, This show sucks. Either way, I'd appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. We'll do it again on the first Wednesday of September. See you later. Bye.